You are listening to the Health Disparities Podcast, a program of Movement is Life. Movement is Life is a philanthropic, multidisciplinary coalition founded in 2010. We seek to decrease musculoskeletal health disparities among women, racial and ethnic minorities, and people living in rural communities. As a nonprofit organization, we focus on raising awareness of the impact of disparities on chronic disease management and quality of life through programs that focus on early intervention, education, behavior change, and advocacy. I'm Dr. Mary O'Connor, Chair of Movement is Life and your host for today. I'm also the co-founder and Chief Medical Officer of Vori Health and Professor Emerita of Orthopedics at Mayo Clinic and past Professor of Orthopedics and Rehabilitation at Yale School of Medicine. Research findings published in the journal The American Heart Association towards the end of 2022 found that, quote, participating in religious activities from church services to private prayer, as well as holding deep spiritual beliefs are linked to better cardiovascular health among Black Americans, unquote. The researchers go on to suggest that, quote, recognition by health professionals and researchers of the centrality and influence of religiosity and spirituality in the lives of African-American adults may serve as a means to address cardiovascular health disparities through sociocultural understanding and the strategic development of culturally relevant lifestyle interventions, unquote. We will put a link to the paper in the program summary. So we know that musculoskeletal health disparities go hand in hand with cardiovascular health disparities. So I am so excited to have with us today to discuss these research findings and some of their implications, Mr. Robert Clarence Jones and Dr. LaPrincess Brewer. Mr. Clarence Jones, M-E-D-C-P-H-C-H-W-C-P-E, is a community engagement specialist and former director of community engagement at a federally qualified health center in Minneapolis. He served as a member of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute Executive Leadership Team and the Public Health Disparities Research Board at the University of Minnesota. Mr. Jones has extensive experience in collaborating with community and faith-based partners in promoting community wellness and access to health services. Welcome, Mr. Jones. Dr. O'Connor, thank you for the invitation to be a part of this show today. Thank you. Our second guest is Dr. LaPrincess Brewer, who also has a master's in public health, and she is an assistant professor of medicine in the Division of Preventive Cardiology, Department of Cardiovascular Medicine at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Dr. Brewer's primary research focus is reducing cardiovascular disease, health disparities, in racial and ethnic minority populations and in underserved communities. She has a special interest in increasing minority and women's participation in cardiovascular clinical trials through mobile health interventions. Welcome, Dr. Brewer. Thank you so much for having me today. Okay, so we have two incredible experts to talk about this exciting study. Dr. Brewer, I'm gonna start with you. We know that African-American adults have a higher prevalence of cardiovascular risk factors. 
This leads to higher cardiovascular disease mortality than white adults. So basically it's more likely for an African-American to die of heart disease than a white American. The years of life lost are really pretty staggering and a major factor in the life expectancy disparities that we see between African-American and white populations, and also between low-income and high-income populations. And it's a pattern that's repeated right across the nation. So Dr. Brewer, please share with us what you're seeking to understand with your disparities research. Sure, yeah. So my, my research seeks to better understand the root causes of cardiovascular health disparities. And as you can imagine, these are very complex, um, but are significantly influenced by what are called the social determinants or drivers of health. And these are environments in which people are born, live, work, play, and worship, which is relevant to our study, um, that affect health outcomes. And they can either be negative or positive influences on heart health. Unfortunately, African-Americans are faced with an overwhelmingly high burden of negative social determinants of health, including chronic stress. Um, and these can be related to factors such as food insecurity, systemic racism, the wealth gap, and socioeconomically disenfranchised communities. And many of these issues have been amplified or magnified even during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And these challenges prevent African-Americans from living their best lives um, by following a healthy lifestyle to prevent heart disease in the first place. And they hinder their ability to control their heart disease risk factors. So my research and you know, this particular study you know, focuses on better understanding psychosocial influences on health behavior change among African-Americans. And these include factors like diet and physical activity, self-regulation, how you're able to do this on your own um, and your confidence to do so, um, as well as social support. And social support comes from, in our study, you know, the faith community or the Black church. And we integrate these into community-based behavioral interventions that as you mentioned earlier, are culturally tailored um, for African-Americans to assist them in better adopting and actually maintaining, you know, healthy lifestyles. So I'm the founding director and principal investigator of the FAITH Cardiovascular Health and Wellness Program. And every great cardiologist or clinical investigator has to have an acronym, right? So um, <laughs> FAITH stands for um, Fostering African-American Improvement in Total Health. And more recently, we've studied in this um, particular uh, article, the role of religiosity and spirituality on cardiovascular health. And we found that those reporting higher religiosity and spirituality were more likely to reach recommended guidelines for uh, physical activity, diet, smoking, uh, and blood pressure. And our findings truly highlight the importance and value of faith-based interventions, including churches for prevention and control of heart disease. Wow. First of all, that's so important, such an important finding that I think people may have um, linked or intuited, but that does, as we know, that doesn't cut it in medicine, right? You need peer-reviewed research to say, okay, we think this is important. This link between patients having 
the social support that is spiritual in nature, that is somehow linked to spirituality and and their overall health and wellness and the behaviors that they adopt or shed, right? That that there is a clear link. Mr. Jones, I would I would love you to comment on this. Yeah, I think um it has been a, a wonderful, wonderful experience of working with uh uh Dr. Brewer. Uh let me tell you a little bit about myself and, and kind of kind of uh, weave this together. I am called the community health strategist for the human partnership. And so my job is to find the treasures in our community that can help us to be able to address the issues around health. And so I am I spend a lot of my time uh talking to people, probing people. I'm a prober asking a lot of questions, uh, but our whole goal is to uh, strengthen community health through innovative partnerships. It is so important for us to find the, the right, uh, I, I wanna use this term spearhead in a, in, a, in a very positive manner, to really find the right people to lead the charge. Because in so many times in our communities, there has been such a, a matter of distrust uh, with uh, the health profession, and we're trying to figure out what are the ways in which we might be able to positively engage the community with innovation, but also strengthen them through, you know, transparency, through honesty, and then giving them the appropriate information for them to make an informed decision. And so, part of our work is to 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 find those treasures, those those organizations that may not be getting the press or may not be getting the the notoriety that 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 other people get, and so we have the opportunity to work with uh, HMOs. We have to work uh, uh, federally qualified health centers, uh, neighborhood organizations. We work with the academic community, with a lot of universities. Work with researchers. Uh, we work with nonprofits, and we also work with with um, you know just individuals who have self-identified, and that's that's another important thing for me in terms of this work is uh, who have self-identified that they want to work with us. I always tell this story, I hope it's okay, Dr. Brewer, uh, when I tell this particular story, uh, because of the way, I said this a little bit earlier, we are, we are looking for the treasures in the community. When I met Dr. Brewer, when I was introduced to Dr. Brewer, uh, it took us 18 months to vet her. Wow. Uh, yeah. Dr. She, Brewer, I didn't know you had such a complicated past. Well. The interrogation room. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, we, we actually, we, well, she was from Mayo. You know, and so, oh, we, yeah. okay. yeah, you know, so, right. so you, so you got, you know, you have, you have that history and you have that perception, you have those myths, those kinds of things. And so she was coming to our community and what we want to do is say, well, we, we like what you're saying, but we have to figure out and to, to learn and to know you before we are able to, you know, to present you to our community. You know, that, that for a lot of people might be a lot, but for us, it was important because we had communities that had been struggling for such a long period of time. And we really wanted to find the treasures. And so Dr. Brewer has really become a treasure for us in terms of this work because uh, she's authentic. And uh, we wanted to make sure that we were promoting the people that were really going to make a difference and going to move the needle for us in terms of health. No, thank you so much for those kind words, Clarence. Um, but yeah, I, I feel as if I learned more from the community and the, the faith community you know, then I've probably given back to them. But um, yeah, I really appreciate all that, you know, I've learned and everything happens for a reason. So, you know, having that time for trust and relationship building has actually 
brought us to where we are today, right? Doing a podcast with you uh, mm-hmm. today, discussing research that is going to be shared with a broader audience. So, you know, we don't take this lightly. So we, we really appreciate you having us. I'd like to explore a little bit more, Dr. Brewer, some of those learnings. Like you just commented, you learned more from the community than you got more than what you think you gave. So what are some of those gifts that you received? Yeah, so I've learned from the community throughout this process that sometimes you have to release your own agenda and let the community guide the agenda. Um, That's something that, you know, we as health professionals um, and researchers and leaders of research um, have a hard, difficult, you know, time with because we're used to you know, setting, you know, what the research question is and, you know, how are we going to disseminate this back, you know, to the community, you know, on our own terms. But I had to really um, show my own cultural humility, if you will, um, and listen to the community. That's the biggest lesson that I've learned is that you have to listen. And when you listen to the community, you will see how much wealth of information uh, that the community has that can enrich your own uh, research program. And I'm sure we'll get into it, but, you know, my research initially started as, you know, in-person seminars going out into the community, but the community said, hey, we got to, you need to move with the times, Dr. Brewer. Um, Let's move digital and, you know, with mobile health and digital health. And, you know, if I wouldn't have listened, you know, I wouldn't have been able to innovate and transform my research into what it is today. So I would say those are some of the things that I I gathered. You really have to, one, release your own agenda and, you know, really listen to the community and what they identify as priorities um, versus what you may identify. Um, You may meet in the middle, um, but... I think it does take some some time to listen for that trust and relationship building. When Dr. Brewer came to us uh, and she was talking about what she wanted to do, uh, one of the things I told her was, this is in Baltimore. And what I meant by that was that we're talking about uh, there are things that you learn. This is there are different things and different factors here that you may have learned there that may not be as effective here. And she heard us. But there are things, there are things that that when you come into a new space, you have to be willing and open in order to be able to be more effective. You know, and if you're not, if you're not willing to do that, then you're going to miss the the type of growth, though, the type of experiences or the type of learning that you can do. So that's that's another part of our story. And what Clarence is referring to is I, I did uh, my training, a uh, clinical training at, at Johns Hopkins in, in Baltimore, Maryland. And that is where my faith program was actually founded. So when I moved to Minnesota, I wanted to translate he- that here to right. Minnesota. But as Clarence mentioned, he said, oh, well, you know, this isn't Baltimore. This is uh, Rochester and Minneapolis, St. Paul, you know, Minnesota. So you need to, you know, check your audience. But I think yep. that what you, what you're speaking uh, to is basically a fundamental issue that we have throughout medicine. For example, in in my company, Vori Health, you know, we have really focused on identifying what matters to patients, not just what is the matter with them, what matters to you, right? If you if you have knee pain, why does that matter? Because you actually want to run a five k. 
So, or you want to be able to play with your grandchildren if you have back pain, right? So the so we're focused on how do we help you achieve that goal that matters to you? Okay, we need to address your knee pain or your back pain. But again, it's 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 flipping the script mm-hmm. to say it's what matters to you, what matters to your community, to this community, right? Could right. be far different than what matters to another community. And then staying focused on that to to help address that. So it's it really is a different mindset in medicine, right? Where we're so used to kind of doctor-driven, yes. um, paternalistic approach. Um, and it's not that, you know, it's not that the physicians don't have the, they do, they have the knowledge, right? You, But it needs to be team, needs to be a team-based approach. Yes. And the goal has to be the goal that's focused on the needs of the community. Dr. O'Connor, I'd like to say this real quick. I think that you're absolutely correct. And one of the other things that that was important uh, with with the work that we've done is that uh, we look at the assets of the community. Oh, there yes. are there are there. Are, you know, we don't, we don't come in there with the whole idea about deficits. Oh, there's something so wrong with you. Like you just said, you know, what what are you what are you looking for? What what's going well, and how do we improve that? How do we enhance that? And if you can do that, I mean, and Dr. Brewer has been extremely good at that, listening to what we're saying because people are already beat down. You no, know, I mean, you know, people are already having having issues, and we're trying to to move them to a different level as it relates to health disparities in, in our various communities. And the only way that you can do that is by by saying, by by making sure that people understand that they are valued. I think this linkage that you found, which to me is so intuitive, but nonetheless, right, that spirituality impacts health. Mm-hmm. Like that's like a duh for me personally, but obviously not necessarily for everyone. So Dr. Brewer, the research has focused on the American Heart Association essential eight healthy behaviors as basically key measurable parameters. Because you know, in medicine, we have to measure things, right? So, can you tell us a little bit more about these essential eight indicators and why you found them to be a good fit for your research? So, the life's essential eight are an update uh, from the prior version of the American Heart Association's Life Simple Seven. And they are vital measures for improving and maintaining cardiovascular heart health. And they include uh, stopping uh, smoking or vaping, uh, eating better, healthy eating, um, maintaining an active lifestyle, losing weight or maintaining a healthy weight, uh, managing your blood pressure, controlling your cholesterol and reducing or controlling your blood sugar. And the final one that was the addition to the life, uh, Simple 7 to Life's Essential 8 was adding sleep, which I love, which we all love, right? Um, and these are you know, all things that we can do to reduce our risk for heart disease and to live longer, stronger, and healthier lives. And the reason why we integrated this into our research is because it really encompasses lifestyle change. So it, it has both you know, health behaviors and, you know, clinical and biological, you know, factors. But 
each person, you know, is doing better or worse than each of these. We all have our things that we can work on, you know, and our community really liked having this entree, if you will, of things that they could work on to improve um, their overall cardiovascular health versus just telling them what to focus on. Um, so it, it gave them more autonomy and control, you know, over healthy lifestyle change. And we've used this in several of our studies um, as our primary or um, the main outcome, uh, which has shown improvements in overall heart health. Um, with that update, you know, from the Life Simple 7 to the Life Essential 8, I was honored to serve on the writing group uh, with the American Heart Association president, Dr. Uh, Donald Lloyd-Jones as past president um, and cardiovascular epidemiologist and cardiologist along with other national leaders. And, you know, we really put our heads together in putting together the Life's Essential 8 and updating it so that it's more user-friendly and that it also has a focus on psychological health and well-being. And I was honored to write that section, you know, within the paper on psychological health and well-being and cultural tailoring of the Life's Essential Eight to meet the needs of patients and the population. So it fits right in and, and aligns well, you know, with what we're doing with um, this religiosity and spirituality paper, as well as our faith program. Mr. Jones, how helpful do you think this Essential Eight concept is to a community? So where they can actually kind of see in, you know, very, um, discrete, you know, bundles, areas where they could focus their behavior to improve their health? You know, it's quite interesting. We had actually did a uh, a survey using My Strength by Health, which is something from the University of Minnesota that we've been using. But what we found out uh, during that, partic that particular survey, we found out that there were two things that uh, the community was really struggling with, and uh, it was relationships and sleep. Sleep was so yeah. vital. It, it came. To, it was one of the. It came to the top that this is one of the reasons why people were struggling. We were taking, you know, uh, taking drugs. So while we're during this period of time, because you know, if you can't sleep, what do you do? If you're if you're in a relationship, you're in a house with you know ten people, and you got a one bedroom house, what do you do? You know, you got to find a way to do it. So so I think that 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 whole issue around sleep. And I was so excited when the uh, when the American Heart Association had that because it just confirmed. I mean, even before we knew that, before we saw the report, it confirmed how important sleep was, you know, for for us as as a uh, as as a people to to be able to uh, to address. Oh, it's so important. It's one of my personal behavior <laughs> improvement goals. Right? I get it. I get it. Mine too. I work on it every day. <laughs> More sleep, better quality sleep. Exactly. You know, all yeah. the I mean it's so it's so important. And and we all know it makes a big difference, right? You right. get a good night's right. sleep, everything is better. Right. And of course that is what I tell my children. Right. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes, <laughs> no, exactly. Go to bed. It'll be better in the morning. Right. Yes. 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 All right. Dr. Brewer, I'm gonna this might be a provocative question. Why does the essential eight, why is the essential eight not an essential nine and spirituality be included as a ninth item? Yeah, so interestingly, we said uh, we could have a life's essential 
20 plus because <laughs> we all got together um, in this group to write this. We all had our own, you know, we want you to add this. We want you to add that. And of course, I was the psychosocial influence person. Hey, we have to have stress. We have to have spirituality, religiosity. But it was really difficult to find a way to measure that appropriately um, because it's influenced by so many different aspects, as I mentioned kind of at the beginning with the social determinants of health. And there's no clear um, measure across the entire population to measure, you know, all of this. So um, in the end, we said, why don't we just say this is ripe for future research? Um, and maybe the next iteration of the cardiovascular health measure will have some of these um, measures because there just wasn't enough data to support. So this study actually will provide more data to support that in the next you know, iteration. But um, that's the reason we all had our own things and it was just really hard to, to uh, hone in on one, but we all agreed that sleep you know, was probably right. the next best measure. So Mr. Jones, if the essential eight was an essential nine and spirituality was included, how do you think that would resonate in your community? Well, I think spirituality is, is one of the things that people, whether they talk about it or not, try to exhibit. Uh, it, it, you, know, it, it, you know, some people are, are more overt about it. Right. And some, some people are much more quiet about it. But even in the conversation, they'll 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 give mention to God, or they or give mention to a higher power, or they'll say something of that of that nature. So I think it I think it's it's very much a a part of of our community, uh, as as a um, you know as a conversation or as a belief system. The other thing too is I think that there are so many different ways in which people approach this. You know, to getting back to Dr. Brewer's point. There's so many ways that different people approach this that it, it really becomes a very personal uh, position. And you have to allow people the opportunity to be able to express themselves in, in an appropriate manner, because <clears throat> there will be definitely there will be some differences of opinions about how you do that. But there are also some very core values that I think that people have as it relates to to spirituality or what they think spirituality is. So I, it's to be discussed later. I feel like the, uh, my next question I want to ask you both uh, could be from like 200 years ago, right? The separation of church and state as the founding fathers wrote the documents for this country. Because it's kind of a question about can how much of a difference community makes with or without spirituality okay and the reason why i ask this is because movement is life we have a program called operation change which is not uh which does not have a defined religious component and in operation change uh, we bring 40 to 50 uh women together adult women who have knee pain and typically other comorbidities, and for the audience, that means like diabetes, hypertension, overweight, obesity. So, um, and they are from underserved communities. So we can have a group that's African American women, a group of Hispanic Latina women, a group of rural uh, white women, for example. 
And we do that so that we can align the education within the program to be more culturally relevant, right? If we're going to talk about how to cook healthier meals, those recipes can be those that are more culturally aligned with the kinds of food that they normally eat. And those, this program, it runs 18 weeks. It's three hours a week. So an hour of education, an hour of some kind of movement, and the third hour for small group motivational interviewing. And, uh, and we've done numerous programs with really honestly impressive results. 18% improvement in walking speed over the span of the program. And this is and a, a remarkable decrease in their sense of hopelessness because so many of these women are depressed. And all this without drugs, doctor visits, antidepressant medications. And when we surveyed our participants and said, what did you like best about the program? I honestly thought, this was my bias coming into that, that it would be the small group motivational interviewing sessions, because that's really fundamentally what was different that we added. But what we learned, again, going back to the beginning of our conversation where it's listen to your community, right? What we learned is that the difference was that we created a community for them and that they gained the emotional support that they needed from each other to make the behavioral health change. So it's the fact that we created this community that made the difference. So my question to you is, do you think that there's a big difference between creating a community or creating a community that also has, you know, um, a spiritual you know, background or is linked to spirituality in terms of improving health outcomes? I think it's literally impossible to bring people together uh, in a, a group and have some kind of continuity without spirituality being brought up. And I, again, I talked about that whole idea about it being overt. Yeah. Uh, but somebody's going to say, I thank God for something. You know, and, and other people are like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, so, so it, yeah, to me, to me, mm-hmm. community, it, it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost inseparable. It's going to happen eventually. That, that's my, my experience. Uh, that's what I've, uh, what I, what I think, what I believe that it's, it's literally impossible to bring a group of people together, even if they're having a good time, where somebody's not going to talk, bring up spirituality, some kind of way that spirituality is going to pop up. Let me just comment on that. And then Dr. Brewer, I'd like you to comment. Sure. We didn't actually, we didn't actually ask them Mm -hmm. about spirituality and whether Mm -hmm. they felt they brought that into the community. So that's Mm -hmm. an excellent point because having uh, visited some of our programs, Mm -hmm. I can, I can attest from my personal observation that a lot of these women are very spiritual. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I mean, when you are, when you're in a community where you know you have lots of things stacked against you and lots mm-hmm. of challenges and you cannot control these social determinants mm-hmm. you know people gain their strength from you know from god from divine mother from whatever their spiritual you know linkage is mm-hmm. so that's just my my personal comment dr brewer Yes, I love those questions, but yeah, I, I believe that actually both matter, um, you know, for, for patients and, and community and uh, context is, is most important. And I believe that the common denominator 
really for both of our programs is, as you're alluding to, the supportive and communal environment of both that, as you said, created this community and relevant to our work, you know, that community is the faith or a community or the Black church. And, you know, we've just harnessed, you know, that established community for health promotion. And it's really a form of, you know, cultural humility and understanding and, and meeting people where they are, right, in the community. And as Clarence said, it just naturally, you know, comes together, whether you, you know, identify with a particular religious uh, practice or have your own spirituality, you know, you bring that to the community. Well, I think this is just fascinating. And uh, one area that I want to follow up uh, with you both on after this podcast is ideas on how your research could help group groups like, like Movement is Life, right, incorporate some of your findings into our community-based programs so that perhaps our Operation Change program could be even more effective than it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so how have other groups been, for example, the American Heart Association, in being receptive to your research findings to basically incorporate um, the concept of spirituality into programs? Dr. Brewer, I'll, I'll start with you. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm really pleased that the American Heart Association has, you know, expanded its focus and is now, you know, uh, really um, placing a uh, priority and lens on social aspects and influences of health. And they also have a longstanding, you know, relationship with uh, faith-based organizations for health promotion. But I believe now there's a focus of how do we integrate this actually into the programs? And they're recognizing that, you know, faith-based organizations are, you know, trusted institutions within underserved communities and that people not only seek, you know, spiritual refuge and salvation, you know, in these um, places of worship, but they are also wonderful, trusted vessels to distribute reliable health information, right? So this is how the the American Heart Association and other professional, you know, societies have partnered with these organizations, um, including, you know, health professionals such as, you know, us and, you know, researchers and and also broader health systems um, have also partnered with with churches. So, you know, I'm really pleased to see that we're now moving towards um, integrating, you know, this key influence on health into uh, programming. That's fantastic. Mr. Jones, any comment on that? Well, the human partnership, we we are definitely a public health focused uh, organization. And so spirituality in terms of public health is also one of those things that that uh, that emerges for us. And so we're in that space where uh, we listen to what the community is saying. It becomes bi-directional, and then we find partnerships to make those things work. Uh, one of the reasons why we've been excited about Dr. Brewer's uh, 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 process is because it is it's still public health. It still uh, speaks very clearly to the needs of the community. And uh, we are uh, uh, excited about being able to, to confidently uh, recommend faith 
uh, to other organizations that we come in contact with. So, so it, 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 it's 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 that public health lens that we look at, which also is inclusive of the of the spirituality, and then we find ways in which we can. Um, I don't want to say organically, but we just find ways in which we authentically uh, uh, engage people in the conversation. That's fantastic. You're currently developing and testing the feasibility and acceptability of a culturally appropriate risk-based digital application intervention, meaning virtual, right? It's on a, on your, a mobile device targeting several cardiovascular risk factors among African-Americans. And this is a collaboration between both of you. So could you tell us a little bit more about this exciting uh, project that you're working on? Yeah, so as I, I mentioned earlier, it's about listening to the community. So mm -hmm. this idea actually was born from the community, you know, in that they said, hey, let's move with the time so that we can increase our reach and access to the broader community and have it in a form that we can reinforce many of the concepts that you're trying to teach us about healthy lifestyle. So they suggested moving faith from, you know, an in-person face-to-face intervention to a digital um, or mobile health intervention through use of a smartphone-based app. And um, I said, okay, if you want it, you're going to help me design it. So we work together nice. in nice. co-creating and co-designing this in-health intervention with African-American community members to better understand their needs and preferences and, and the features. So they gave us, you know, every input on everything from uh, font size, color, to the actual images and, and um, visuals on the app. Um, and I think that that made it a much uh, better enhanced and culturally tailored intervention that people were eager to use. Um, it was community vetted, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so again, it, it wasn't my own idea, but it, it was born out of the community. And um, this was actually before the pandemic hit too. So it was kind of like right on time, you know, once we were ready to do this clinical trial. And I also wanted to mention that, you know, Clarence and I are partners in this and we applied for um, significant funding through the National Institutes of Health and the American Heart Association to fund this clinical trial. And we wrote this together. I received feedback, you know, with Clarence as well as our, we have a community steering committee, which is made up of diverse individuals and organizations, you know, from the Twin Cities area and Rochester, Minnesota, where, you know, the flagship uh, Mayo is. So um, again, uh, our patients engage with the app, um, on their own time, um, but still kind of in the, the communal environment of, you know, knowing that my church is a part of this, I believe, you know, made people more engaged and want to um, see it through, if you will. And um, our results were overall positive. We, we actually just published them in uh, one of our top cardiology journals uh, circulation, and it showed that our participants had overall improvement in their heart health scores, um, according, as we mentioned, you know, the, the Life Simple 7 from the American Heart Association, which will be updated to the Life's Essential 8. And um, we also had improvements in health behaviors that are extremely difficult to change. So diet and physical activity. So we're very proud to see that our app um, resulted in these significant changes and could ultimately prevent heart disease among you know, our participants. 
And our app is also now being uh, tested in a community health center. So Clarence has uh, many connections with, you know, federally qualified health centers. So we're now transitioning that to um, this health center to um, improve hypertension control in African-Americans. And I think you'll be interested in this. <laughs> when we asked the patients at this clinic, um, we, we didn't come in with the agenda of talking about religiosity and spirituality, but when we asked them to give us feedback, you know, on the app, we're basically transitioning the faith app with churches to the clinic. And we said, what are your thoughts on the religious aspects that we have integrated into this app? Should we remove this since we're now going from the community to the clinic? And the participants said, absolutely not. <laughs> they, they felt that the religiosity and spirituality components were a part of Black culture. And whether they were religious or not, they just felt that it, it represented their community. And many of them mentioned that they weren't mm. religious at all. So, um, yeah, so it really brought home the point of, you know, why we're doing this. So we're now working to optimize the app to allow for broader access to the African-American community at large. So you've just experienced why, why the community loves Dr. Brewer. She didn't mention my name about four times, but she'll mention <laughs> she mentioned community members, you know, the same, the same thing. I mean, it's 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 uh, you know, it's it's authentic and and that's what's important in terms of making this process, you know, very, very effective. But the, the but the app is something that uh I know that people love. They 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 like being a part of it, they like uh the idea that they participated in it. I mean, we talked about the from the very beginning. And so it makes a difference. It makes a difference in terms of even how people receive uh, the information and additional information because they understand now the importance of their health. And so, uh, yeah, the app, app. I guess maybe maybe I've missed a question, but I just uh, I think that that's 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 part part of it. Well, first of all, congratulations to you both because to create a tool that can be so accessible to so many people regardless of their socioeconomic status, right? Because an app is simple and an app can be free. And, and you know, everyone on the, almost everyone on the planet has a, has a cell phone, mm -hmm. yes. which they can, you know, put an app on the phone. So that's just um, very commendable. And Thank I'm you. really looking forward to, to following um, your progress with this, and seeing how that is going to continue to impact communities across our country. Thank, Thank you. you so much. So, Dr. Brewer and Mr. Jones, it's really been such a pleasure to have you both join us today. I wanna to thank you for all that you've shared with us, and we hope that we can continue the conversation on a future occasion. For sure, thank you. Thank you for having us in our community. Yes, you're very welcome. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today and for making the Health Disparities Podcast one of the world's leading health equity podcasts. We'll be with you again in a couple weeks. Until then, it's goodbye for now. Be safe and be well. Copyright Movement is Life 2023.